The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Welcome to Season 2 of Students of Mind, the podcast where we aim to normalize conversations about mental health. Last season, we connected you with experts in the field of mental health to provide an understanding of topics and illnesses that may not have been easily accessible. This season, we will continue our learning journey together by not only speaking to experts, but also by listening to the voices and stories of real people who are living, surviving, and even thriving while also facing challenges with their mental health in their everyday life. This season, we want to hear your stories to get the full truth of what it's like to manage one's mental health and navigate living with mental illness. My name is Jade, and today is the beginning of the Social Media Mind series where we explore the ways in which social media affects mental health. In this series, we will talk to leaders in the research on mental health implications of social media, social media influencers, and individuals whose careers are based online, and people who consume content on social media to get a picture of the current state of online spaces and to explore ways to make social media a safe space for everyone's mental health. On today's episode, I sit down with researcher Dr. Danielle Wagstaff to talk about Instagram's mental health consequences and TikTok star and mom Cody Elise to talk about her rapid rise to the role of influencer. I hope by listening to the show, you're able to learn something new and gain some encouragement through hearing our experts and listening to the journeys of our guests. However, this show is not a substitute for professional advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your mental health professional or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have about your condition. Never disregard professional advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard on the Students of Mind podcast. Today's first guest is Dr. Danielle Wagstaff. Dr. Wagstaff is a researcher and lecturer at Federation University, Australia. In her research, Dr. Wagstaff focuses on topics related to appearance, women's psychology, and competition, and the impact of social media on mental health. In our conversation, we talk about her research on Instagram use on women's psychological well-being, the ways social media networks can create safer online spaces, and more. So welcome, Dr. Wagstaff. Thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me. Of course. Um, So before we get into the topic of today, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and the work that you do? Yeah, absolutely. So I um, am a psychology researcher and academic in Australia, in Victoria, Australia, and I completed my PhD about five years ago now, and I was exploring um, the way that men and women compete with one another for access to 
mating resources. So basically the ways that we are sort of attracted to each other or not, uh, what types of cues and signals do we use to actually determine whether someone's going to be an appropriate, you know, potential long-term partner or maybe a short-term partner. Um, and in particular, I was really interested in the ways that women compete with one another because um, it's quite different from the way men compete. When you think of men competing, you think of sort of physical aggression, but women are much more, um, you know, they can be physically aggressive, but they're often more subtle and the ways that they compete is um, is through usually through their appearance. So things like clothing and hairstyle and makeup can actually be a way that we compete with one another. And so um, when I finished my PhD, I sort of wanted to investigate that female competition a little bit more and that's sort of what got me into an interest in um, social media specifically. Great yeah I was I was gonna ask you um, like what initially sparked that interest um, in terms of like looking at social media and its mental mm. health implications? Yeah absolutely so I, th I thought sort of coming off that uh, research of how women compete I wanted to know if we're not directly in front of one another another if we don't know who our competitors are then how are we actually sort of competing and when you're online your audience is suddenly massive as is your pool of potential competitors um, so it really widens your perspective on what other people are maybe doing um, and so in I think it was 2016 I actually had an honest student who was interested in investigating women's use of social media and I thought oh this is a great opportunity to maybe look at the ways that women are actually presenting themselves on social media and to look at how that presentation actually makes other women feel about themselves to the end of trying to understand some of these um these relationships some of these ways in which women were sort of um competing with one another and so um she started to look at if we look at the way that women's bodies are presented on social media, then what impact does this have on the way women feel about their own bodies and about their own, you know, anxieties and does it make them sort of depressed and stressed and things like that? Um, and then it just sort of snowballed from there. So a lot of the research that I do now is really focused on women on social media and more broadly on the ways that we uh, conceptualize our bodies in the online space yeah I feel like the it's it's really important work especially in the past year I feel like a lot of people's social media use increased significantly um, and so there's probably you know a lot more space for um, like how you're saying women to kind of compare themselves and their bodies uh, with people that they see online um, so yeah I found your your work and research really interesting um, I know one of your studies focused on Instagram and so can you talk a little bit about that study and and what makes Instagram specifically like especially detrimental for mental health compared to other social media platforms yeah, definitely. So that study was, uh, we looked primarily at the time that women spent on social, uh, on Instagram, sorry, specifically. And 
looked at its correlation with variables like anxiety and depression and body image disturbance, which is sort of, you know, getting into body dysmorphia area, was thinking that your body has defects and things like that. Um, And then we also showed women images that were kind of idealised. So they were idealised faces like makeup shots, think of sort of, um, you know, makeup artist or daily makeup sort of shots, uh, makeup of the day shots. And um, or we showed them, uh, I think in that one we showed them idealised body images or we showed them some travel images as a control group. And we found that the images that were related to uh, faces and bodies made women's ratings of their own attractiveness decrease. Um, And the reason for this is that when you view these images, you compare yourself to them. And for those women who have a tendency to compare themselves more, so we call it social comparison, women who compare themselves more have a tendency for it, have stronger effects. So they're even more affected by these idealised images. And the reason that Instagram specifically is one of the worst platforms for this is because when we compare ourselves to other people, the easiest way to do that is to actually see what they're doing. If you can if you can visually see what they're doing or what they look like, it's really easy to make a comparison between yourself and them and we know according to social comparison theory that we tend to compare ourselves more to those people with whom we're similar so people who are very dissimilar to us we think well there's no point comparing because we we're nothing like them anyway I'm not going to try and figure out where I sit in the social rankings to someone who is completely unlike me But someone who is like me, like friends or family, we will compare ourselves to because we want to know where we sit and how we're doing. And the thing about Instagram is that the way that influencers and other people present themselves is they look like they are your friends. They look like they're people that you know that could be your neighbour or your classmate. Um, And they deliberately do that because that gains them followers and an audience. Um, So we tend to do these comparisons um to these people but because of the curated nature of Instagram where you have all the filters and it's very normalized to edit a photo before it goes up it's very normalized to have taken 200 photos to choose the one that looks the best that presents you in the best light when you're a viewer on Instagram and you're scrolling through all these images all the comparisons that you're making are to people who look like they're doing better than you. And consequently, that makes you feel like, well, I must be pretty low down in the rank. I must be one of the less attractive people. I mustn't be doing as well financially. I mustn't be doing as well in my job. Um, and so it kind of results in these these negative health impacts. Yeah, so right now kind of we're, we're talking more about like as you were saying like the viewers or like the people consuming content on uh instagram and social media um are the the ways social media affects consumers mental health different than uh people considered like influencers or content creators on social media platforms like is there a difference in in the way that 
consumers versus influencers are impacted by social media or specifically by something like Instagram? Yeah, I think in a way the consumers, like if you're just a passive consumer, you almost get off easier than an influencer does because you might have some investment in it. You might be using the platform to give you a sense of what you should or ought to be doing with your life or how you should or ought to look. But if you have no other investment in it as a as a consumer, you can switch the app off and you can walk away from it. So yes, it does have some negative impacts. We know that the more invested you are in the platform, the, more, the worse you feel about yourself when you look at these images. But for an influencer who's career whose livelihood is dependent upon social media they really get worse off because they actually can't step away from it they have to be on there to know what other what are other people doing so that I can keep up so I can actually maintain my audience maintain my following um particularly for influencers who might be say beauty influencers or fitness influencers where it's very very much about the aesthetic they need to know what other people are doing so they're really consuming this content as well so that kind of gives them that negative outcome but then the other side of that is that by putting themselves out online for other people to scrutinize they're actually opening themselves up to the criticisms that come with being an influencer and we know and we're starting to understand more and more about the negative impacts of critical comments of cyberbullying of getting harassed through dms by gross men who just want to tell you you know how your body looks or they want to tell you your body looks disgusting or something so you really are exposed to this as an influencer and I think for that reason um, the mental health implications are potentially worse. Unfortunately, we actually don't know that much about them as much as we do for just general public consumers because most of the research has been focused on the general public and not as much on actually getting a deep dive into the way that influencers are, are feeling. But we do know just through news media and things like that, that there have certainly been influencers who have uh, had to quit for their own mental health. We see it all the time on YouTube where people are saying, I'm taking a break. I'm not going to make any more content for the next week or two, which is amazing that even taking a week off to them is something they feel that they need to justify to their audience. Just goes to show how sort of, you know, entwined in um, in their audience they are. But um yeah, and, you know, they might sort of take some time off, but it gets to the more extreme end where people have had breakdowns because they can't handle the pressure of having to keep up and it's not really a, a real lifestyle, you know, they're sort of keeping up with something that's uh, that's kind of fake or they, you know, in very extreme cases, some influencers have, you know, suicided because of the pressure, the bullying that they've been subjected to online so yeah I think it's pretty brutal yeah I it sounds brutal and and I I wonder um is there a way for people to you know be influencers or or you know have their career be based on social media to have a safe space on social media and do it in a way where 
they won't have these like adverse mental health implications. Is there a way that people can do that? Like, are we seeing that or is it something that we need to like develop and teach people? I think both. I think there are definitely more and more people now who are actually speaking out about the treatment that they get, about the pressure that they're under, about the way that being on these platforms makes them feel. And by speaking about that to their audience, they're not only, I guess, asking for a little compassion for that from their audience, but they're also educating others about this is a very difficult life and you need to be prepared for it or at least, you know, engage in some self-care so that you don't get uh, exhausted from, from it. But I think that um, there are certainly ways that people as influencers could potentially protect themselves. So if you're lucky enough to have someone who can help you moderate comments, they can potentially remove the worst of them. You know, if you make it really clear to your audience that you're only going to respond to so many comments, you can maybe avoid those. There are filters and blocks on various platforms now that will actually um, automatically block certain types of content. And I know Instagram specifically has been putting a lot of work in recently to their you know, their terms and conditions and their privacy and security policies and things like that. Like only yesterday, this actually surprised me, but only yesterday I was searching for images of um, body positive images. And then I was searching on Instagram, I was searching for captions that were related to like negative self-talk because I'm trying to create some images for a study. And so I actually searched for the hashtag I hate my body because I thought I'm going to get some good, you know, captions that are going to be people talking negatively about themselves. And Instagram actually put up a block and said, put a link to uh, like a helpline or something like that. And it said, you know, here are the concerns with this. Would you still like to go ahead and view these images? And I thought, oh, that's really good. At least it's giving a prompt or something. But I guess maybe for the people who are creators, if um, the platforms offer more because I feel like the platforms kind of have a responsibility as well to protect the creators who are, you know, bringing in money for them as well, um, bringing in traffic to their site. They have a responsibility to offer services uh, or referrals to services where it's appropriate. But I think just more generally for the individual is probably good to engage in some self-compassion self-compassion has been a really big thing in the literature recently people have been doing interventions where they teach self-compassion which is basically you know being forgiving to yourself and um being forgiving to yourself and um you know sort of rather than uh getting upset with yourself if something goes wrong or you feel like you're not doing as well and self-compassion seems to be a really powerful uh mediator like it will actually stop people from having negative negative impacts yeah that's really interesting I I don't think that's something that people think about very often is self-compassion um as opposed to like just compassion in general so um you touched on this a little bit but I was just gonna ask like what are some of the things that these social media platforms themselves can put into place to make 
these spaces more safe for the consumers and the people who are using their platforms as like a source of income. Um, I know you talked about like the disclaimer that Instagram gave you about like the content you were about to see, but like, what are some other things that platforms can do at the platform level to kind of mitigate some of the things that are happening? Yeah, I think probably almost providing more education to their influencers who at the moment are having to get education from each other, which is great. It's empowering about, I mean, education about, you know, the potential negative health impacts about how to stay safe, so to speak. But, yeah, I really do think that the platforms have a responsibility to be providing that as well, um, given that they're the ones profiting from it, not just the influencers are profiting. Uh, excuse me. So, um, yeah, I think making it potentially releasing clearer statistics on the rates of the negative things that are happening, but also trying to, I guess, um, examine those influencers who are successful and who have been able to protect their own mental health to get a greater understanding of the psychological tools that they're using or the social tools that they're using you know are the people who are doing really well on the platform mentally are they the ones that have the army behind them filtering their comments for them do they have the social support network to help them are they actually not the ones posting their own content like do they have a manager or someone or a social media manager who's posting that content for them and therefore they're kind of protected so what is it about those ones who are doing really well and how can platforms like you know Instagram Facebook are obviously the same company but other platforms like TikTok how can they sort of um, provide this level of information or education to their uh, to anyone who wishes to be an influencer to create content so that they can empower themselves to protect themselves as well. Yeah, I, that sounds like it could be really helpful. I think there's especially young people seeing the potential success that can, you know, be achieved by being an influencer so so many people are kind of looking to become an influencer so I think having more like because when you say influencer there's so many things that fall under that Mm. and you know what are the responsibilities of an influencer like what can they expect when they you know take on that role and so I think like thinking about traditional workplaces, um, like working in an office or something, there's concrete things set in place. There's like people, um, there's like HR, there's uh, systems in place to help if there's, you know, any issues that happen in the workplace. Um, But that's like not the case for something like being a social media influencer. So I wonder, have you noticed, you know, as you've been doing this kind of research, are people starting to take this more seriously since, you know, the internet and Hmm. being online is starting to become a workplace? Um, And I think people may not take it as seriously. So have you seen as you've been doing your research, people taking this topic more seriously and more research being done on this topic? Yeah, absolutely. I think that the the social media platforms 
are taking it more seriously. You know, they're, and I, I want to say it's for benevolent, you know, uh, reasons, but I think it's because litigation reasons, they put themselves at risk by not providing these um, services and disclaimers and things like that. But um, it's interesting that you mention about, you know, a, a regular workplace would have, say, a HR department. You know, if something happens in the workplace that you're potentially at risk, you are typically provided some kind of a counselling or if you injure yourself, you're provided workers' compensation so you can take time off work. Um, but influencers are technically self-employed so they are not really offered any of these things but like I said I feel like the platforms have a responsibility to be offering uh some of these things to to their influencers and at what point do you decide that they're eligible for that well it's really difficult and I think the other thing too is that um the influencers need to be more open and honest about their journey as well because like you said people see this and think oh I could do that I could be an influencer it's actually a really really tough gig you know like the, probably and I'm just pulling a number out of the air here but I'm gonna say maybe one to two percent of people who start who have an intention to become an influencer probably are successful at it um because it's con you know it's consumer content creation anyone can get on there and create content um so actually showing the real struggle behind the journey might open people's mind up to that it's not just something as simple as putting a few photos online and getting famous and you know that you actually do need to take care of your own mental health but going back to the question about people's uh interest in it from a research perspective absolutely there's been a huge explosion in research on this topic in the last, I'm going to say the last 10 years specifically, like we've always been, there's always been a lot of research in psychology and sociology investigating the effects of say TV and the media on the way that people interact. Like we've known for a very long time that the representation of idealized bodies on television and print media has detrimental effects to the way that people feel about their own bodies. Um, and we've had influencers for a very, very long time. It's just that the influencers used to be movie stars and now they are, you know, so to speak, quote, unquote, everyday people. Um, and so because social media has exploded so much in the last sort of five to ten years and there's suddenly all of these new platforms taking hold particularly visual platforms like Instagram and TikTok, um, yeah, people are trying to understand more and more, you know, what impacts these platforms have. And so, um, God, nearly every day or every week there's a new study that comes out that is about the impacts of social media. And I know for me just in the last sort of five or six years, like the first paper that I published on social media was conducted in 2016 and I've got several other studies or dozens of other studies sort of, you know, in various processes of getting published. Um, but the number of students that I have coming to me asking to do research on social media has also exploded. Like almost everyone that approaches me now is really interested in, in social media effects. 
that's really encouraging. I think as a person that mainly consumes social media and uh, I also just live with a lot of anxiety and uh, body image issues. And so just being a consumer, I, I know how hard it is sometimes to not compare myself to people on social media. And so it's just encouraging to me to know that there's so much research going on and that this research could lead to some interventions or just some changes within these platforms to make them a little more safe and a little just Mm. so you can like enjoy them more um and yeah and I and I wanted to like ask like kind of like the flip side of that is like are there ways that social media can benefit mental health yeah I social media creates um a safe space for people who would be considered part of a minority so when you're out and about in your community you you know let's say you're in a in a city of I don't know 10,000 or something a small to you know a town of 10,000 people and you're one person who's a member of maybe a sexual minority group or maybe you're at the intersection of a sexual minority and an ethnic minority group and so you're in the one percent or the 0.5 percent so in your town of 10,000 there's only going to be a few people who are actually going to be similar enough to you that you could potentially reach out to uh, for, you know, support. You want to be around, people want to be around like-minded people, around people who are similar to them. But when you're online, you're exposed to the world. You know, there's potentially 7 billion people out there on the internet that you can, you know, theoretically have access to. And so people who have... um, can, they can find like-minded people in larger numbers being online. And it's not just, you know, people in minority groups, but even people who have very specific interests. So, you know, if you're really intensely interested in some obscure game, you can find a, a whole world of other people who also play that game and you can find this community um, online. So for that reason, it's great. You can also access social supports through social media and because you can in some ways remain anonymous you can maybe reveal parts of yourself that you wouldn't be comfortable revealing to other people in your in your face-to-face life um, and find support there as well Um, and you know just by the nature of social media being on the internet you can also gain access to the latest most up-to-date information you know, health information, mental health information. Um, So I think that for those reasons, it can be very, very beneficial. But for the same reason that we're finding these small communities of like-minded people on the internet, I think the flip side of that is that people who have um, very extreme views can also find other people on the internet who share their extreme views and you can end up in an echo chamber of negative negative um, ideas and people can, you know, sort of go down a, down a negative path with that as well, make their views more extreme too. Yeah, so it seems like a double-edged sword kind yeah. of. Um, and so for, for this, 
episode or like series i'm actually doing a a larger series around this topic where i'm gonna like talk to some influencers about their experiences being an influencer and how or if it's affected their mental health and i'm wondering um just out of like the research that you've done um what is something that you think influencers should know um as they you know continue you know in their life as an influencer or if there's someone like about to become an influencer what is something that you think that they should know that you've discovered through your research um I think just that the content that they create does have a big impact on people you know like I think that influencers probably uh, I mean like everybody is I'm not saying it's a bad thing but they're kind of focused on what they're getting out of it potentially and you know they're like yeah they're influencing their audience I mean it's in the name but um I think that they should think carefully about what content they're creating because it does influence the individual and so I think being open and honest with your audience about you know like if you're creating beautiful images being honest about that being one of 500 that you took that it took you a whole day to set up that shoot that it you know you have all these people behind you and it's not to necessarily expose yourself but to create a more realistic expectation for your viewers and that doesn't mean that they're not going to appreciate the aesthetic of the image that you're posting but it probably actually makes it all the more impressive that you can do that because all of this work goes into it behind the scenes. Um, so, yeah, that's probably my main piece of advice based on because I have really looked at so far the consumers and the impacts on them. And as much as I want to investigate the um, influencer side of it, you know, research takes time. I just haven't got to that point yet, but it's definitely on the agenda to to investigate. Right. Yeah. I think um, that what you mentioned about just being honest about the nature of the content that you're posting is really important. Um, I, I've seen a little bit of that with some creators just being honest about the fact that they like Facetune or Photoshop or like change aspects of their photos. And it's I feel like it's not even like consumers are angry about that or or like they're upset that the photo was manipulated in some way I feel like it most people are accepting of that and it's just normal Hmm. yeah Yeah. people will be um more respectful almost because if you try and hide it it's like uh, you know not to call anyone out but just thinking of you know influencers who are like no I've never had plastic surgery it's like you very clearly have had plastic surgery and that's okay but just be upfront about it because if you try and lie you're creating an unrealistic ideal that other people are going to be trying to achieve and um you know that can be really negative yeah okay great I think we covered a lot um so lastly I want to ask what are some ways that myself and my audience can stay up to date with you and the work that you're doing yeah, so probably primarily I'd say Twitter would be the best place for that. So my Twitter handle is at dwagstaff86 or I'm often on LinkedIn. You know, that's more professional, but I'm pretty happy for people to find me on LinkedIn. I often post blog posts and things on there. So, yeah, they're the two key places. 
Okay, great. Thank you so much for being here for the work that you do, the research you do. I think it's all really important and I'm excited to share this with my audience. Awesome. Thanks. And I look forward to hearing the other episodes in the series. Today's second guest is Cody Elise. Cody is a single mom of three, cosmetic tattoo artist, and social media influencer. Cody has had a rapid rise to TikTok and Instagram fame, gaining over 3 million followers in under a year. Cody posts content about being a single mom, co-parenting, and self-care. In our conversation, Cody talks about the positives and negatives that come with having a large online following, how she navigates caring for her mental health while working in online spaces, and more. Good morning, Cody. Thank you so much for being here today. Of course. Thank you for having me. Um, So before we get into the topic of today, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and the work that you do? Yeah, okay. So I'm 33. I'm I'm a single mom. I have three kids. Um, I do two different jobs, actually. One of them is I do like microblading and stuff like that. I have a permanent makeup business. But um, the job that most people know me for is I do social media. So I have um, a pretty big, big following on TikTok. An okay following on Instagram, and I just started YouTube. So yeah, male empowerment, like you know, mom content, stuff like that. Great. Um, so, did you have your um, makeup business before you had before you did social media stuff? Yeah. So I've been doing that for about three and a half years. Um, that's when I got divorced and I needed to make money, obviously. Um, and then I didn't start social media until about a year ago during quarantine, when you know we all got TikTok just because we were bored and. I didn't really plan on making it a career and it just kind of happened. So yeah, it's only been about, I feel like getting used to it. Yeah. I was going to, my next question was like, how, like, when did you discover it? But I didn't realize it was only a year ago. That's, that's like really fast. How how fast you grew. It was really fast in about, okay, let's think in about six months, I had about half a million followers And then in December, I had a really viral video and it kind of blew up overnight. And I went from like half a million to 2 million followers within like a few weeks. And it's just been growing since then. So it's definitely an adjustment, but you know, there's highs and lows. Good with the bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So what, what inspired you to, to create content on TikTok? So I was actually going through, well, when I first started, it was just like dances with my kids or whatever. And now I don't have them on at all because I kind of, once my following got bigger, it was kind of scary to have them. Um, But that's what it started as first, just for fun. And then a couple weeks after I joined TikTok, I actually went through a really, really bad breakup. And I almost used it as like a way to heal, like coping. And I found um, when I would post things like that, a lot of people related to it. So, um, yeah, it was just kind of a coping mechanism at the time. And I feel like more and more people, um, started following me because they were healing from things too. So kind of created like a little community, you know? 
Yeah, I feel like I've heard a lot of people say that about uh, TikTok specifically. Mm -hmm. Um, It seems like the ability to grow quickly on there is like really easy. And then like the connections you make on there can be really meaningful too. Yeah, I think because it's videos and, you know, you can kind of like read energy through videos, whereas Instagram is just, you know, Instagram's great, but it's just pictures and it's kind of hard to see who somebody is through that. And I feel like TikTok, we're also a lot more vulnerable on there for some reason. That app is just a lot more like, I just post things that I would never post on Instagram. And I think it's relatable and people, uh, people connect with that side of you, you know? Although I feel like there's a lot more, um, there's a lot more negative on TikTok also. So it, again, it's like the good, the good and the bad together. The good outweighs the bad, but yeah, it's definitely, definitely both. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to get to that in, in a little bit, but I want to talk a little bit about um, your mental health and, and how it was before, um, you know, you had a following online. Um, so yeah, what was the state of your mental health before you you gained a lot of followers awful it was really bad for a long time um and i don't think that it's better now because of followers although i do think the community that um i don't want to say i created but the community that related to me and decided to follow me definitely helped me heal but before that i had postpartum and that just kind of like transferred into regular depression and Um, I was super insecure and just kind of unfulfilled and almost searching for like, obviously my kids are my purpose, but, um, that doesn't always feel fulfilling for every mom. And it was kind of like, I completely lost myself and almost the process of social media and healing really publicly, um, kind of helped me find myself again. So it's definitely better now than it was. I mean, like light years better now than it was before. I guess I'm wondering, um, as you started, you know, increasing your presence online, did your kind of like mental health knowledge increase too? Like I know for me, I'm someone who also struggles with my mental health and I found a lot of community on Instagram. Um, Like for me, I have an eating disorder and I was able to find people on Instagram um, who like have similar like interests as me who also have eating disorders so I could connect and even get information um, about eating disorders that way. So did you have a similar experience where like being more present online resulted in more knowledge around mental and emotional health? For sure. For sure. So I have um, ADHD and I have a anxiety slash panic disorder, um, which both of them are pretty under control now. Um, but when I first joined TikTok that I was all over the place and um I didn't realize that a lot of the things that I was experiencing, I just thought it was crazy, you know, and I didn't realize a lot of the things I was experiencing was actually like normal symptoms of ADHD that, you know, we think of ADHD as just like hyperactivity or whatever. And I never had that. Um, And, you know, you don't realize that there's so many other symptoms to it. And there's so many videos about it on TikTok that like, I, I really did realize like, oh, maybe it's this. And I actually ended up talking to my psychiatrist about it and we switched meds around and I'm like 100% stable now. Whereas before I felt like I we would try different meds and try, you know, whatever. And then I was just off meds for a long time because I was, it, it's almost like you don't want to be a guinea pig for like them just throwing different things at you. So yeah, I for sure feel a lot more knowledgeable about things now. And I've also yeah. like consistently- for the mm-hmm. last year, actually the last like two, two and a half years, 
I was going twice a week for a while and now I'm down to about every other week, but I'm consistent with that for sure too. That helps. Um, so you talked about this a little bit, but uh, so once you started uh, being more active on social media, gaining a following, uh, how, if at all, did that affect your mental health? Um, I know you talked about how, you know, there's positives and negatives. So can you talk about this? Yeah. So, um, all right. When the following like overnight jump to millions, um, the criticism on you is amplified by 10,000. And, um, while it was very exciting and like almost on this high that like you see those numbers rising so quickly, um, and you have everybody like, Oh my God, that's so cool. Congratulations. Congratulations. And you don't want to say out loud how scary it is because it sounds ungrateful. Um, but my mental health just plummeted. Like it was overnight. I went from being super happy and comfortable with myself to like all these eyes on me and feeling like I didn't want to mess it up. And, um, I don't know how much you have followed, but like, when you become, when you get any form of success, there's, you know, we've all made mistakes in our past. We've all done things that we aren't proud of or that, you know, we've healed from and we've changed. And when there's any bit of success, um, those people from your past that maybe you have wronged or they have felt, uh, they just didn't like you for whatever reason or whatever, they come out. And there's that criticism on top of the regular trolls on the internet that have something to say about, your body or that you're a bad mom or like how you look or just judging you for whatever reason. And it felt like the world was caving in on me. I, um, it was like that for about five months and I, there were days it was up and down. Obviously I wasn't like in bed every day for five months, but there were days that the weight was too heavy. And that I, I remember one day specifically I woke up and I called my mom just like sobbing. There had been I woke up to like a bunch of notifications of these like awful videos about me and awful rumors. And, um, it was just too much. And I called my mom and said, I don't want to be here anymore. I can't do this. And as strong as anyone is, there's still, if you hear those negative things about yourself over and over and over, you're eventually going to be like, are these things true? Like, am I, am I this terrible of a person? And I remember thinking if I'm this terrible of a person, my kids deserve somebody better. And I'm going to cry thinking about it. Um, and that was the day that I was like, okay, I need to either figure this out or I need to stop doing this because I cannot continue like we are. Um, and I have this group of other creators that are like the best women on the planet. And uh, they kind of knew what I was going through. And they were like, why don't we take a girl's trip? Why don't we go to Napa? We can completely forget about any of this other stuff that's going on and just like spend time together as friends. And that trip honestly changed my life. Like that trip, I remember, and none of them necessarily, they've all experienced criticism, but not necessarily on the level that I have. And um, I remember crying to them at night when we were all in this Airbnb. And literally every single one of these women like circled around me and gave me a hug and said, we are not going. I have like really bad abandonment issues. And they said, we are not going anywhere. We love you. You are not the person that these people say you are. You know, you, like you are valid basically. And it just completely flipped my world upside down. And since then I have been like back to me, you know, but there was definitely a process in there of like this new normal of this constant criticism. Cause that's still there. I just look at it differently now, you know, but it took me a sec. So I'm thankful for it and I'm grateful for it. And I don't want to sound like 
I don't want this in any way. But yeah, it's a learning curve for sure. Yeah, I, I feel like what you just said at the end uh, where you're like, I am grateful for it. I feel like I hear a lot of uh, people with large followings say that as if like they're going to be assumed to be ungrateful when they talk about the reality of the struggles that come with having a large following. Mm -hmm. But I'm always like, oh, my God, like everything you're saying is so valid. It makes complete sense that that's what happened as a result of all of those comments and all of these people having like a magnifying glass on your life. Um, And I think it's so great that you're able to find a community of women um, to support you. Um, So are, are those women that you met um, through like being on TikTok and Instagram or had you known them before? No, I haven't known. So one of my very, very best friends now, her name is Paige. Um, she also has a, a pretty big following on TikTok. Um, and we actually met a while ago, um, maybe like nine months ago or so now. Um, and she was the first like real honest friend that I made on TikTok. And through her, we kind of found these other women that we would send each other, you know, their TikToks or whatever. And we eventually became mutuals, reached out to them and just kind of created a little community for when any of us are going through struggles, we just text the group chat and kind of lift each other back up. But yeah, it was all through, it was all through TikTok. And there's, there's been a learning curve for me with that too, about um, who to trust in this industry. And it's, it's, I think, I feel like I'm kind of getting my footing there a little bit, but I definitely in the beginning trusted the wrong people and got used for, you know, views or connections or whatever. Um, And so that was, that was a, a struggle for a minute too, you know? I don't think I do think people are very easy to call out influencers on um, really anything. They're like waiting for you to slip up. And people always criticize me for like saying um a lot or thinking about my words really carefully. And I do that on purpose. And I think a lot of like anyone in any type of like public eye does that on purpose because you know that you're being criticized. Like, you know, I know when I'm on live on TikTok, I'm being screen recorded and it's going to get reposted somewhere and twisted. And so I think really carefully about what I say, because I don't want to ever offend anybody. So that's kind of a, that was kind of a thing to learn too. Yeah. And, and that, that sounds stressful to have to like constantly be like, okay, let me make sure like what I say can't be twisted in a way that makes me seem negative. That seems really, that seems like a lot to have to worry about when you're making content. It, uh, it, it stressed me out a lot before. I think I'm pretty used to it now, but it's definitely, you can't just, um, I don't want to say speak freely because I never would say anything on purposely offensive or anything like that anyway. I mean, I'm definitely my authentic self, but it's just almost like this PTSD from reading all the comments and reading the negative stuff that you don't want. You want to avoid that at all costs, if you can, you know, which it's never going to be perfect, but like, keep it to a minimum. So yeah, it's, it's less stressful now, but it's just part of my life, I guess. Yeah. So you've talked about the negative comments. Can you talk about the positive comments? I, I went on your YouTube uh, the other day and saw that you just started posting. Um, And I was looking at the comments on your first video and they were all like pretty positive. So I was wondering, um, how do those positive comments make you feel and how does that affect your mental health? I mean, those are so much more than the negative 
ones. There's so much more. And what I've noticed is the negative ones pretty much stay on TikTok. There was a period of time that I was being very, very criticized that uh, it kind of slipped over to Instagram DMs too. And there were a lot of like negative DMs. But since then, it's been the people that really like you and like your content on TikTok, they're going to go follow you on Instagram. The people that don't like you are just going to say mean things there and then leave. So Instagram, YouTube, other platforms, I feel like I really only get positive stuff. And on TikTok, I feel like 90% of it is positive. And my DMs on Instagram are full of women saying thank you and that I've helped them get out of their toxic relationships or I've helped them with their confidence or um, even like young, like teenage girls that are, and I know because my, when I was in high school, it was just awful and I was so insecure and I relate to that a lot. And um, there's a lot of teenage girls saying, thank you for helping me realize my confidence or, you know, things like that. And I think that if I can even help one single person with that, then I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. I mean, those things. And as much as I, as people tell me I help them, like they don't realize how much they help me. It's like we validate each other, you know, and it's that that will always outweigh the negative, always. What is it like having um, people come to you and being like, oh, you, you made me like feel confident. You helped me through this. You were inspiring to me. How does it feel to kind of have this new response or like role as like a role model for people? Um. It depends on the day. Like, I always love it, obviously, but some days I feel a little more pressure to be perfect. And I, so I think that the, I think the message is that, yes, I'm, I'm confident for sure. And I'm a very strong woman and I, uh, everything that I say is valid and true, but of course I have bad days. Of course there's days that I don't feel my best self and that I'm have insecurities or whatever. And so I don't ever want people to feel like, there's this like unattainable perfection of like you're confident every single step you make and every single day. And um, so I try to like kind of share my harder times and my harder days too sometimes when I, you know, when I am okay with that vulnerability. Um, I mean, of course I love it. Of course it's, that's, I don't know that any, there's anything more validating than like knowing that you're helping other women. It's, I mean, I hope, I hope I can continue to do that. That's basically the whole point of it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, this work that I do with podcasts, that's why it's been so fulfilling to me to hear. I'm still very small, but like even to hear the few people be like, oh, listening to this has helped me is like, right. it just like fills my heart. I mean, even if it's one person, you know, you're making a difference. And it's, I mean, that's somebody's daughter or somebody's son. And I mean, the mental health, especially with teenagers in this country right now is just so awful with social media and with everything else. And especially going through a pandemic, everyone's been struggling. And so even if you can help one person, you're changing somebody's life. It's like, and then it helps you heal too. You know, everything you're going through, you, you feel it weak. It's kind of like the circle of we all make each other feel better. You know, just positive energy brings more positive energy. Yeah. And, and I think social media uh, gets a really bad rap when it comes to mental health, because uh, things like cyberbullying, negative comments, comparing yourself to people on, on, on Instagram, mm-hmm. there's so many ways that it can negatively affect your mental health. Um, the filter, so the, the filters, yeah. unrealistic uh, body standards. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's a plethora of things that, that can make it an, uh, an unsafe space for some people. Mm-hmm. Um so as someone whose like career 
uh, is on social media, um, how do you do you manage the fact that it can be like an unsafe space sometimes? Uh, like, what do you do to keep yourself safe on online spaces? I'm, well, the first thing is that I only follow other people that make me feel good about myself. If I feel just it, not even, I don't necessarily compare myself to other women's like bodies or anything like that at this point. Um, for me, it's like mom stuff. So there's a lot of mom creators that are amazing moms, but they might make me feel mom guilt. You know, maybe they're doing like the Pinterest stuff and the big birthday parties. And that's just, I'm not that mom. And so maybe it's going to give me mom guilt. And so I can't have like the picture perfect life because my life's chaotic and I'm a single mom and it's, it's never going to be, that's just not who I am. And so I, uh, I will only follow people that don't make me feel guilty about things. Um, but I also think it's important to say that I, I am probably self-aware enough to say that at times I can be part of the problem. I also use filters. I use Facetune to smooth out things. Um, I definitely try to show like the real side of it also to say like, yes, I do use these things. Um, almost that is part of the job to be like aesthetically pleasing. And I wish that it wasn't that way, but that's just what society has kind of created. But I do try, especially on TikTok to be, um, I hesitate to use the word body positive because I know that that is basically meant for the plus size community. Um, and I'm not comparing fat shaming to skinny shaming They're They are two different things. Not that I think anybody should ever be shamed, but society's definitely, um, kind of built more for thinner bodies. Um, However, I do get shamed quite often for being skinny, that I look like a 12-year-old boy or whatever. And, you know, that's not necessarily the, like, trendy body type at the moment. So I do try and say, like, for girls out there that we, we don't have curves. We have little booties and we're not Kim Kardashian. Like, that's okay, too. Um, and I do try on, like, my Instagram stories if I'm breaking out. Like, I'll show what acne products I'm using or, or things like that. So I try to balance it to, like, keep it realistic also. Um, but I do know when, especially younger girls are scrolling and just seeing the like, you know, perfect bodies and bikinis. And as long as we're aware that that's like, that's not real, that's not real. And I follow accounts on TikTok too, that show the like before and after photoshops and like nobody walks around looking like that. And so I think that that's, I hope that that message is being portrayed more. I feel like we're starting to get more aware of it. Um, so I, I, yeah, I hope I, I think about that often. It's like this internal struggle with me of like, I want to facetune things so that it looks perfect. I used to do it a lot more. Now I'll just like, you know, maybe if I, there's like circles under my eyes, smooth them out or something like that, but I'll never like alter my body, anything like that. I think that's going a little too far. Yeah. And I think it's, it's since now it's like, oh, this is something people do. People facetune, people Photoshop sometimes. Now it's not so much like, oh, they're doing this and they're trying to hide <laughs> that no, they're doing I'm it. I'm honest about it. Just like I'm honest about, I get Botox, I get filler. I, I do whatever I want to do. I think, and I think that's all fine. Do whatever, it's your body, do whatever you want. But I do think it's harmful to not be honest about it. You know, I think when girls ask me like, oh, oh, you're so pretty. I wish I looked like you. I'm like, girl, I don't even look like me. Like, I don't, you know, like I wasn't born with this. I, I get my lip injections. I get my Botox. I'm not going to lie. I just scheduled a nose job. Like I, I like these things. I do these things. I don't, nobody else has to, if they don't want to, but I think it's important to be honest about it, you know? And I'll show like before and afters of like what I naturally look like and what I look like with these things. I do think that the pressure of being in public kind of like 
adds to that a little bit though. You know, you feel, I see certain angles of my face or whatever. And I'm like, oh, I'd like to change that. So I do have to kind of like limit myself too. And that's kind of what society has just done to all of us, I think. You know, pointing out everything negative instead of the positive. So I will also, I have like post-its on my mirror. And when I'm like doing my makeup in the morning, there's post-its about like things that I like about myself. And you got to like balance it. So you've talked a lot or a little bit about being a mom. Mm -hmm. Um, And first, I want to like say how much uh, empathy I have for you for showing uh, at all the the mom in you and like the the life of a mom I I feel like that's really vulnerable um to show such a precious part of your life online so I I think I like commend you for that uh for showing up in that way um and I think it can be really helpful for for moms when it's done in a way that's not like making moms feel guilty. I've talked to a lot of, yeah, yeah. I've talked to a lot of young moms and they've told me about how, especially on Instagram, there's a lot of sources of mom guilt and it's really important to make sure you're following people that, that don't induce that. Um, So I I just want to ask, what are some of the other things that come with being, like a mom and a content creator? Um, for sure, the guilt, for sure. I think I kind of realized that there was a space in the social media community to, um, to say it's okay to be yourself and also be a mom. Um, I think there were a lot for a long time that like mo- hashtag mom life or whatever was like very picture perfect mom life. I don't think there was a lot of like, And I struggled with like my self-identity after having kids because you do feel it's thrown in your face all the time. You have to become this different person. You have to become this like nun, you know, this like version of yourself that like you're supposed to just mourn who you were before that. And I uh, didn't want to do that. I wanted to still be myself. And it took me a while. It took me, I mean, years to get myself back. But once I got myself back, I was like, I'm never losing me again. And um, there's a lot of moms. I felt like I feel so good like this. I know there's a million other moms that are still stuck in that place that are um, feeling like they can't be themselves. So I want to kind of show them that you can. Um, I think that there's been a few times that like I've been out with the kids and people will come up and, you know, recognize me or ask for pictures or whatever. And they definitely think it's weird. Like they think it's, they don't totally understand. Um, And I don't want them on social media and I don't want them getting caught up in how many likes you have or how many, you know, how many followers you have, any of that. So I honestly try and keep most of it away from them. They know that uh, they think mommy works for TikTok. Like they know I do eyebrows and stuff too, but they think uh, they'll just tell their friends mommy works for TikTok. And like, they're young enough now that I can get away with that. So I do get a lot of comments about like, oh my God, if my mom dressed like this or whatever, but like to my kids, this is normal. This is, they're not, they don't think anything of it because this is who I am. So they're being, you know, and I don't think I'm not, I don't do anything that crazy. You know, we're just used to the very, like the Virgin Mary moms, you know, which it just isn't reality anymore. Yeah. And, and I've seen you post a few TikToks where you like put the comments that people say mm-hmm. and, and I, I like talking about this uh, reminds me of someone that I'm going to send to you. She's a mom and she uh, 
makes really great content about not leaving who you are in the past just because you have kids now. Yes. Like, yeah, like still allowing yourself, especially young moms, to like go out and have fun. Dress how you want. You don't have to like throw away all of your like cute dresses and and like bikinis and stuff. Like you can still be you and also be a mom. Exactly. And, you know, especially... Um, I mean, married people too, of course, but for me, it took being single to find myself again, because um, now you have this balance of, I have shared custody. So, you know, every other weekend I have free and it was like, not free, but you know what I mean? Um, But it was like, who am I when I don't have my kids? Who am I? And I found myself again. And, you know, am I wearing these like tiny little dresses and heels when I go pick my kids up from school. No, not usually. And not that I, not that there's anything wrong with that, but for me, it's just not really practical. I'm usually in sweatpants. Um, but I think it's important to show like both sides of motherhood. Like it's okay to like put your kids to bed at night, have a babysitter come over and go do your mom thing. Like that's okay. There shouldn't be guilt behind that. You know, I, I've noticed a few other creators popping up doing that stuff too. And I think the more the merrier that's like that message is so important for moms, especially. Yeah. I have a lot of young moms that follow me. Teen moms are just, you know, really young moms. And a lot of them are single. A lot of them have had these babies without, um, you know, the dad chooses not to be a part of the life or a very small, you know, role in the baby's life. And how hard to think that you have to like be a different person now and only be a mom and only tend to this baby when you're young and you have your whole life ahead of you. And, you're still figuring out who you are. And I mean, I hope, I hope it's helping these people. I get message messages that it is, but I know that there's a lot of people that um, maybe don't message. And I, so I hope it's, I hope it's making a little bit of a difference at least. Yeah. I, I imagine that it is. Um, Cause I, I think again, like you said, the more people who are showing that, you know, you can still maintain who you are and be a mom, the merrier. And I think um, the, the, the variations in that are important too. Like the way you're able to show up as yourself and be a mom is different than the way someone else is able to show up as themselves and be a mom. So I think it's good to have different types of people showing that kind of behavior. I totally agree. The the little group of friends that I have that I was telling you about, we are all completely different personalities. Like not even in, um, it's funny when we started posting together, when we were in Napa, all of the comments were like, this is the weirdest friend group ever. And it it really is. We're all very different. Um, But you know, when you buy a crayon box, you don't want the same color of every crayon in the crayon. Like that's not what you're trying to do. So I think, um, yeah, I think TikTok has become, you know, when I started, there were like no moms on it. I felt like I was like the oldest person on there. And now there's like a really strong mom community on there because it's a lot more relatable to moms than a lot of the Instagram content is. So it's almost like we're transferring over, you know? Yeah, I've seen that too. I Because I like just downloaded TikTok and like made an account and started going on it. And so I'm like discovering what the platform is like. Um, But like I have seen a lot of like mom content, even when I'm like just starting to use it and like the algorithm hasn't even like decided what I like. I have seen a lot of like moms and or just like family content. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're definitely trying to make it like a more wholesome app. Because, you know, when I first downloaded it a year ago, it was like, I would see 15-year-olds on there doing things that I was like, what is happening? Do their moms know they're posting this? Like, this can't be right. Um, And I still see that every now and then, but I definitely think the community guidelines have, like, 
gotten a lot stricter because of that. It's, it's, and I know like when I do brand deals and things, they want to see family content. Like that's what people, that's what people want right now. So, and which I think is so much better. It's so much healthier. I hope we, I hope we stay that way. That's, I mean, that's so much better for these really impressionable, like, I mean, there's eight year olds on this app, you know? So it's like, I think as wholesome as we can, not that I'm a wholesome person by any means, but as uh, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a boundary there somewhere. There's a line there somewhere. So I think if we can keep it on this side of the line, I think it's better for everybody's mental health really. So just a few more questions. And then I, I want to make sure we end on like a more positive note because <laughs> I want to make sure you feel safe and okay to go into the rest of your day. Um, I love that. Um, I wanted to ask you, you just mentioned something about brand deals. Yeah. Um, and I know that the, the, the social media influencer space is relatively new in terms of like careers. Um, and since social media is also a place where you do find some healing um, and find ways to uh, support your mental health, what is it like having it also be like your job? So like having it be both of those things. Yeah, it can be stressful. It can. You know, it's, um, you try not to look at the views or care about numbers. And before I was making money doing this, it was a lot easier to be like, well, who cares if a video didn't get a ton of views? Now it's like, and TikTok does this on purpose. There's literally studies that show that the algorithm, the way that it works is it's up and down. So when you're down, your videos aren't getting as many views and it keeps your brain addicted to it. This like dopamine rising and you know, all of that. And so then you start getting a lot of views again and you're like, okay, this is great. I'm back. Like, this is fine. And then the next week they dip again. And so it does mess with your brain a little. So I've had to kind of learn to control that a little bit and know that brands genuinely really, for the most part, don't care. They're going to look at your overall account, see that sometimes there's millions of views. Sometimes there's half a million views. You know, it's not, they, um, they're hiring you for the person that you are and for the audience that you have. So like, as time has gone on, I've gotten, I've cared a lot less about the numbers, honestly. And I did get caught up in it for a minute. And I think, um, it, it adds another stressful layer only because like, I'm already busy. And, you know, I ended up hiring an assistant because there's brand deadlines and, you know, there are things that there will be, it's not consistent. There's months that you make way more and there's months that you're like, oh, I got one deal this month, you know? So it can be, it can be stressful, but it also can be like so beneficial to be able to help people and then support my kids at the same time. Um, I've just had to ask for help, learn to ask for help when I need it, which was hard, but we're getting there. <laughs> yeah, I, I can imagine. And especially since you grew so fast it was kind of you got like shoved into that world pretty quickly yes yeah and so something else I see you mentioned which you've talked a little bit about today um but you talk about like your kid's father um I've seen a few TikToks where you mention him where people ask about him what has that been like to have something because um can you talk a little bit about like your relationship like what that is like Mm -hmm. and the experience of like having something that personal on social media and having people like asking about it a lot. Um, I think at first I was like, these are kind of invasive questions. Now I understand that my following feels connected to me. You know, they feel like 
they um, either know me or they 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 feel connected to my personal life. And there's certain things, of course, I'm never going to share that I'm that are you know I have a, a you know certain amount of privacy. Um, as far as him, I didn't show him for a long time. He wasn't a part of my platform for a really long time um, because he hated TikTok, and I wasn't going to force him to do anything he didn't want to do. And as it started growing and became a career and he started noticing I was actually helping people doing these things. And he saw my, he saw me too. And he's, I've known him since, oh God, I was like 17, I think. And so I'm 33 now. So he's known me most of like half of my life or something. And um, he knew that I wasn't myself and he's seen me grow and find myself again. And he actually, a few months ago said like, you know what, I, what you've done is pretty cool. And what you've grown here is pretty cool. And I'm proud of you, which like, we don't talk, we, we are very good friends, but we don't talk to each other like that, you know? So it was really nice to hear that from him. And at that point I would say like, Hey, people ask about our co-parenting. Can I share this or whatever? And, um, I don't mind being open about it at all because our relationship, I have a lot of friends that, you know, don't get along with their ex-husbands or it's like a really toxic hard thing for the kids. And I think if we can promote healthy co-parenting in any way, even if it helps one single person, then that helps those kids, you know? And so I feel very lucky to have the relationship that I have with him. And I also think it's kind of entertaining. We have a very funny like banter that people like to see. So I don't mind sharing that stuff at all. Um, the questions about my kids, like how old are they? What school do they go to? You know, stuff like that. That's too much. But my relationship with him, I'm super open about. Now that he's comfortable with it, I can be comfortable with it, you know? Yeah, and I think, um, like you said, I, I don't think people see that often um, to, like, uh, ex exes getting along really well. Right. Um, especially when there's kids involved, and I think that's important to show. Not just for, like, people to realize that when a divorce happens, it's not always, like, they hate each other, but also for, like, other people who might get divorced to see like oh we don't have to hate each other <laughs> like we're allowed to stay friends exactly and you know I've gotten comments about that like wow I really need to work on my relationship with my kid's dad like after watching videos of mine or whatever and I know it's not always possible I know not everybody you know if you have like a crazy narcissist ex that's gonna be very hard to do and you kind of just have to find what works for you but there's definitely people that I feel like when you break up you're petty for no reason and that happens to everybody um, I mean, it was, it took us a second. We never like hated each other, but it took us a second to get to where we are now too. So yeah, I do think it's, we should be, the internet should be a place that we're displaying more healthy, positive things anyway. So then, yeah, that's what, that's what I'm trying to do with that. And I think you are. Thank you. <laughs> uh, Here we go. Yeah. Um, so on this last note, can we talk about um, some of the things that you do? I, you said a little bit about how you kind of uh, shape your feed to make social media be safe um but can you talk about some of the other things like self-care type of things that you do to take care of yourself offline for sure yes and you know what's especially been really important as I've grown more and more is I'm working I work seven days a week and I feel like it's 24 7 I work constant and I don't know that people know like really the amount of work that goes into being a content creator. I mean, the ideas have to be constant and you constantly have to keep up with trends and new things and what's going to be entertaining, what's going to catch someone's attention in one second, you know, and it's, um, it can be a lot, especially with brand deals in there too. Um, and I have really, really, really had to focus on self-care because if I don't, I'm not as good of a mom. I'm not as good of a friend. 
Um, unfortunately, I don't have a ton of time when I do have my kids. Um, I'll try like after they go to bed, I usually work. If I have a second, I will, this sounds so stupid, but just take a really long shower and like do the body scrub, you know, one of those good showers. So it's like you wash your hair, you do the body scrub, all of that. That helps me little things like waking up in the morning and making my bed like that. I don't know why, but that sets me up for a better day. When I don't make my bed, for some reason, I don't feel as productive or, you know, you come into your room and it looks messy. So I do try and um, like just do small things each day. But then when I don't have my kids, I will take at least one morning to like go to the, I'm like 10 minutes from the beach. I'll go to the beach. I'll put in my AirPods. I'll meditate on the beach for 20 minutes. Um, I use my crystals. I, I actually meditate almost every single night before bedtime. And I think that's really important too. And therapy skincare there's I mean the list it's it, it has to integrate into everyday life you know just little things yeah and hearing that you're you're working seven days a week that's a lot <laughs> so I can imagine how important it is to to make sure those moments of taking care of yourself are in every single day right well and anyone even if you're not if you're 14 and you're not working at all or whoever if you are someone that struggles with mental health, which I think most of us are. Um, it's so important. There's nothing more important than self-care. That's literally the, t- that has to be your top priority because your kids will not get the best you if you're not caring about yourself first. They just won't. Oh, so I, I did have a question. Um, I know uh, when you're online, there's only so much that you can that you show your followers. Right. Um, so what is one thing that you wish more of your followers knew about you? Oh my God. I wish I could show my kids. That's the biggest. Mm. I wish they could see the relationship I have with my kids because it's, we have very, a very special relationship. I, you know, people say like, don't be friends with your kids. I think you can be both. I am a parent first, but I'm also their friend. And I wish I could share that side of my life with them. And I try to show what I can without showing the kids. Um, I also just wish, you know, you put out content that you know, not that you necessarily know people want to see, but that fits your brand also. And there's a whole other side to me that's this like um, a good daughter and a good friend. And I do try and show, and I think I'm kind of steering towards that more, like showing my personal relationships more like whoever's comfortable being in there I have my nanny that I I'm super close to her she's on there a lot and um, I think it's important to share like the real side of things too but yeah I definitely I definitely and it's tempting to show my kids because that I I just know it would be not only great content but they'd have fun with it and people would relate to it but obviously their safety comes first and I can't but maybe one day when they're like way way older we'll see and it's just safer that way. Too. It is. Yeah, we had yeah. a couple we had a couple scares and so it's been and people are kind of weird on the internet sometimes. So we just I was like, you know what, it's just safer this way. So but maybe one day you never know what's gonna happen. Um, okay, great. So lastly, uh, what are some ways my audience and I can follow you and stay up to date with everything you're doing? Okay, so obviously TikTok. Um, I post way more on Instagram than I post on TikTok. So I always tell everybody, if you like my content, go over there. I can also show like a different side of myself there. Cause it doesn't have to fit into, you know, 15 seconds or 30 seconds or whatever. Um, so I'm, I feel like I'm a lot more open on there. So same username, Cody Elise. Um, and I started a YouTube, which I'm not great at posting, but I, we're getting better. I found an editor, so that's going to get better too. 
Again, same username. Everything's Cody Elise on like every platform. And I have Snapchat, Cody Elise there too. Just we're doing everything. Great. Um, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate you being here. I know your schedule is probably busy, so thank you for taking the time to be here. I think this is gonna be really great for people to hear and kind of see a more personal side of yeah. uh, an influencer. Um, so yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for thinking of me. I feel like this was like very good energy to start our day with. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Students of Mind. I really enjoyed these two conversations and I think they were a great introduction for this series. So if you want to learn more about Dr. Wagstaff's research or follow Cody, all of their information will be in this episode's description. Before we end, I do have a small favor to ask. If you have time, please take a couple minutes to leave a rating and review for this show. Doing so will help get these episodes and all the wonderful wisdom and insights within them into more ears. Leaving a review and a rating will also give me feedback to see if what I'm doing is what you guys like. And you can also leave feedback on Instagram in the comments of our posts. If you want to see more of myself and the Students of Mind team, all of our socials are always listed in the description of each episode. Thank you so much again for listening. I hope you learned something new and I will see you next episode. Hey, it's Radley Valentine. Join me for a brand new way of connecting with your angels on my new podcast, The Angel Tarot Show. Each week, you'll meet your angelic guides and guardians and find new ways to unlock unconditional love, tune into your intuitive abilities, and create the joy-filled life that, well, you've always wanted. Plus, you'll get a useful and timely energetic weather report, bringing you guidance for the coming week. Tap into the healing, hope, and guidance that's all around you on The Angel Tarot Show, exclusively on mindbodyspirit.fm.